0: Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. Hey, uh, we're starting a new series uh, this, this September. It's, it's called Four Hour City. You ever, ever had an experience where you're at a grocery store or at a retail store, and um, and you're making your purchase? I, I remember years ago, uh, I was early morning shopping at a grocery store. Um, the kids were younger, so we had this this a lot of groceries to purchase. And so I put my mountain of groceries on the conveyor belt. It was making its way down toward the cashier. He took a look at it and let out a very heavy sigh. Uh, as the groceries are coming his way, um, and inside, I, as he continued to be a little bit irritated with uh, with that much, I think that much work that early in the morning. I, inside, I was I was I was not saying this outside, but I was saying this. I'll confess, I was saying it inside. I'm so sorry that I'm an inconvenience to you. That I've come to your store to purchase things from you so that you could have a living. Please forgive me. I, 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 anyone ever had that feeling before? We had a store. Okay, so I'm not alone in that. I feel better about myself already. Um, we, we sometimes we feel like. Like we're, we're an inconvenience, and sometimes people are just having a bad day, and, and, that, and that's okay. Um, or have you ever been to a, maybe a, a high-end store? Uh, maybe you're planning to go there, or you weren't planning to go there, and you, you get in, and as you're walking around, maybe it's a jewelry store, or a boutique, and as you're walking around, you kind of get this idea there's a presence traveling with you through the store, um, there's one of the customer service people or uh, a manager who's following you around, and it's almost like you feel like you're a suspect, um, like you're like, like they think you have a criminal background and you might shoplift or something like that, and you're not trustworthy. Um, I think some of us have had that experience. I think probably all of us have had the experience where you're in a store and when you don't need help, there's people all around you that when you do need help, you look around and it's like the rapture has taken place. There's nobody around you. It's like, where are people when you need help? Or on the flip side, have you ever been to a restaurant and, um, ordered a meal and just having to have a conversation with somebody? As you're having that conversation, um, the, the waiter or waitress is coming like every two minutes and saying, How's your food tasting? Anything else I can get you? And the first time, it's like, Oh, it's, it's so, so good that they, they care. And then like at the fifth or sixth time, it's like, Can you just leave me alone? I want to have lunch or I want to have dinner. I want to have a conversation. Um, there, the, the, there are those ex- experiences as, as well. Or, or maybe it's going buying coffee at a certain coffee place, and a uh, someone, as you're buying your coffee, asks you, know, "How's your day going? What do you got planned today? What are your plans for the weekend?" And you wonder if the next question is going to be, "Can I have the pin numbers for your ATM ATM card?" And uh, <laughs> uh, it's just like so over the top. It, it's just like, "Wow, I, you know, I, it, it's it's great that they're they're interested." In, in fact, I was talking to someone last night, five o'clock service. I said, they were in this drive-thru, and the barista said, how's your day? What's going on? Oh, I see you've got kids. How many kids do you have? Oh, two. Have you guys thought about having more kids? And and, and she said, no. And then then she said, you should have more kids. She went home, told her husband that the barista said they should have more kids. They have more kids. Um, so I sometimes it turns out, I guess... Uh, uh, but, you know, it, the, or if you're working in an airline or you're trying, you're chain, trying to change seats at an airline, it's like, man, I didn't know it was so complex to move from an aisle to a window. Uh, it's, it's such a big deal. Do- and, and so, uh, and I think it's, it's because sometimes in retail, uh, sometimes uh, when, when, I think sometimes people have forgotten why they got into the business in the first place. And it's about people, which is why I, I've got some favorite places to go. I, I love going to Costco. For a lot of reasons. One is, you can have lunch for free if you time it right with all the samples. <laughs> Second, I, what I love about Costco, is, man, you go and you re- you're returning something and if you can't find your receipt, you walk up and, and you tell them that you don't have a receipt, you don't have to cringe, they're not going to rebuke you. Uh, for not having a re- a receipt and they take it and they give your money back or you can go back in the store. And sh- it's just, I-, I, love places like that because I think they have, they have remembered why they have gotten into the business that they have gotten into. When it comes to retail or, you know, grocery stores or restaurants or coffee shops or airline companies or whatever, whatever it might be, there was a reason why they were, they're doing what they're doing. Of course, they're trying to, trying to make money, but it's about servicing the public. But you can always tell when, when, when a, a, when a store or when, when, when a marketplace has, has forgot why they're doing what they're doing. And it doesn't just happen in the marketplace, in the business world. It happens in the church as well. Sometimes we forget why we're doing what we're doing. What we are about. What God has called us to and so th- that's why we have things like mission statements and vision statements. And uh, if you've been around St. Alliance for any length of time, you know that we have a mission. And our mission is to exalt Jesus Christ, become his fully devoted followers, and to share his grace and truth with all people. That's why we exist. We want to make a big name for Jesus. We want to we be people of his word and walking in his ways. And we want to share his grace and truth with all people. And we believe that God has given it. He's trusted us with a vision for our city that our city might be a city at peace with him. A city at peace with God. That's the dream that we would love for, uh, for it to become a reality uh, wherever God has, has placed us and planted us and uh, and and that that's what we're about but oftentimes just like in, if you get the wrong posture or if you get the wrong mindset or the wrong mentality in in retail or in your business um, sometimes you can you can kind of actually not accomplish what what got you into this in the first place and the same thing can happen in the church and i want to suggest to you that there are certain postures that will stifle the advancement of the purposes of jesus there are certain mentalities or mindsets that will keep the the kingdom of God from advancing in our midst. And yet I think there is a certain posture that will in fact advance what Jesus hopes to accomplish among us, in us, and through us. And I'm gonna just hit these real quick because I think sometimes churches embrace this posture of being a church in the city. Geographically, obviously, we are placed in Salem. Maybe you're watching a live stream, you're watching from somewhere around the world, or maybe you're at the State Hospital, uh, glad you're watching, or, or maybe you live in Monmouth, or Staten, or Silverton, or Salem, or Kaiser. This is the geographical location that God, that's, this is where we're, where we are and churches that have a mentality or a mindset or a posture of being a church in the city they they're there the doors are open um and people are welcome to come but the majority of the ministries are aimed at the people that are inside the, the walls um and not, not, not nothing wrong with people coming it's just that we're we're more focused on on us that's a mentality uh, that's a mindset another one is uh being a church against the city This is a much more defensive posture. This is the posture that, that kind of sees everything out there as bad and, um, and 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 things like the arts and entertainment and media and government and science or technology and, and all that is that's just those are schemes and strategies of evil one to keep God's purposes from advancing. We want to keep all that out there will kind of keep us locked in here and protect ourselves and that's more of the church that's the church against the city. Sometimes what happens there's a lot of language about taking stands and, and inadvertently we create these us versus them scenarios that, that's a mentality you have the church in the city or you got the church against the city and, and really on the opposite end of the spectrum from the church against the city is the church of the city this is the church that's embraced the social norms of the day this is this is a church that that has so embraced the social norms of the day that they've lost their distinct christian identity they 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 just they're just trying to, to to fit in and and they become of the city. And each of those three mindsets that I've listed in the city, against the city, or of the city, these postures, these mindsets will stifle the advance of the kingdom of God among us. But there is a fourth one, and if you haven't guessed it already, it's the title of the series. It's a church for the city. This is a church that has maintained its unique Christian identity, embraced a biblical worldview, embraces the truth, but lives it out in grace to one another and, and to our, our city and to our world. This is a church that is for the city. This is not just in it. It isn't just about a holy huddle. It isn't just about, so we can all feel good. It isn't certainly against. It isn't just an of. It's a, hey, we are Christ followers. This is who we are. This is what God's called us to be. In fact, that we understand that God was so for us that he sent his son, and his son has given us a great gift of salvation, and because we understand that he is for us, we're for you. And we want you to taste and see how good he is. In the 1800s, there was this unique social phenomena that was taking place in Europe, specifically in England. It was called the Industrial Revolution. If you are paying attention in history class, students, uh, if you did pay attention uh, in history class, the rest of us, you may have learned a little bit about this. Uh, England discovered that they had high levels of natural resources, specifically iron and coal. And so factories began popping up in the major cities of England. And specifically in London, there were a, a whole bunch of, of factories that were popping up. And people who were uh, who were farmers or people who lived in rural areas who were just making it heard about the opportunities in the city. And so this great shift of population moved from the rural towns and villages and hamlets and moved to the city. London specifically became a city that grew so rapidly in population growth that it stressed the infrastructure of the city to the point where where there was inadequate housing. Um, little apartments that were, were built for maybe a family of four to six uh, were transformed to, uh, to being apartments that, that 12 to 15 people would live in. Here's a picture uh, from an apartment in London back during the Industrial Revolution. Apartment like this would be used by multiple families because the factories were working around the clock, and uh, so families would share this working space. This so stressed, not only the housing market that was happening in London, it also stressed the infrastructure. like running, There was not enough running water. In fact, there wasn't enough good sanitation, which meant that trash was was just being pushed out into the streets. Here's another picture in London of of a little alleyway that was just being piled up with trash, which eventually, as you, you would probably deduce, this led to all kinds of health issues, led to sickness, led to disease, and what took place then is that you had uh, people contracting these diseases and um and a lot of people were were dying of of these these sicknesses, things like cholera or plagues that were that were breaking out in the, in the big cities. Parents would pass away. a dad would would pass away, a mom would pass away. and so you had a lot of orphans. So orphanages were popping up all around town. In fact, factory owners, once this started to happen, you realize, that if they hired a woman or they hired children, they didn't have to pay them as much as, as the man. So whatever males were still alive and working, they would often lay them off or fire them and replace them with women and children. Here's a picture of a factory in which kids are working, and they're probably age seven to nine, and then you've got your, your, your supervisors that are probably teenagers, and you can see he's carrying a pretty big stick there, making sure these kids are working. And by the way, kids are working anywhere from 12 to 16 hours a day. This Things got incredibly messy in these cities. Uh, it stressed the infrastructure. It stressed the social dynamics of what was happening in these cities in England, and especially in, in London. And here's what happened with churches. Many churches in, in London pulled up their roots and moved to the suburbs. A lot of churches pulled up roots and moved out of town because life became so difficult in the city. Much like in America in the last 30 to 50 years, as more struggle has entered into the inner city, a lot of people have picked up, a lot of churches have picked up and moved out of the city because it just it just was too hard. But there there was one church, at least one church, I'm sure there was more than one, But there's one church that you may not recognize the name. You may recognize the name of its pastor. The Metropolitan Tabernacle made it a point to stay in London. It was pastored by a guy named Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon and and the leadership of his church adopted this mindset, this mentality, this posture towards London. That we will be a people who is for our city. So they started looking at all the things that were wrong, all the social ills, and started strategically thinking of how do we make these wrongs right. And so things like there was these poor houses um, and uh, and and the unemployment stuff that was that was taking place. So they decided they were going to build almshouses. Here's a picture of, of some that they built. These almshouses. And if you lost your job, you or your family could move into an almshouse. You could get some employment training, some job skills while you were there. And once you got, you know, got better maybe health wise or you found a job, you can move out of the almshouse house, find some housing uh, that was appropriate, and you can move there. And then someone else can move into that space that was that was vacated. That was one of their ideas. One of the other ideas where they created homes for the elderly so that they could be cared for in their in their their later years, and so that they could die with with dignity. Uh, they created soup kitchens and fed the hungry. Uh, they did their best to address the health care needs of their city. Um, as I, I've kind of alluded to, Spurgeon, they started an employment network, and uh, they they began addressing the the real needs of their city, uh, and they were difficult difficult situations that they found them in. Now now now, what you may be thinking is, okay, all this emphasis, all this effort to things like you know sickness or cleanliness or jobs or you know addressing unemployment or, or housing, and but but did they did they still proclaim the gospel? Well, Spurgeon actually also started the ministry training center and trained over 200 leaders. In fact, he he planted over 200 churches in London and outside of London. And he so boldly proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ that people, whether the poorest of the poor or all the way through to the aristocracy, people were flooding to the metropolitan tabernacle to, to, to learn more about this God that they were demonstrating to their city. In fact, here's, a, here's an artist rendition of the Metropolitan Tabernacle back in the day. I'm sure it's not drawn to scale. If it was, the pastor's probably like 12 feet tall. But it, it, you can see from the artist rendition how packed this church is. Now get this. Spurgeon had to get up in front of his church on a weekend because the church was reaching so many people. And there were people lined up outside the church that Spurgeon had to beg his partners, had to beg his members of his church to to skip at least one weekend of church a month so that people who haven't heard about Jesus Christ could come and hear about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they were experiencing, but now they could hear how to put their faith and trust in this one who saves. Friends, this this is a church for its city. This, This is a church... When you think about um, what, what, what Metropolitan Tabernacle was doing, was they were a church that was, that was in right relationship with the Father, and because of that, they understood that God was for them, and so they were for their city, and they were seeking the welfare of that city. They were seeking the peace of their city. Um, we, we have a vision here, I already mentioned it, a, a city at peace with God, our leaders were in a discussion here, uh, recently, and we were talking about, you know, what, <clears throat> what do we mean by peace? And oftentimes when we think about peace, we think about the cessation of hostilities, you know, calm waters, people not in conflict with one another. And that certainly is a, is a dimension of what peace might be, but it's, it's really a small sliver of, of, uh, of what biblical shalom or peace really is. One of our leaders, uh, Natalie Warren, uh, read a quote from someone who was talking about shalom, who defined peace this way: "Said peace or shalom, it is the way things ought to be." Have you ever seen something and said to yourself, "That's not right"? I'm not talking about the gymnasts who can wrap their legs around their head. That's that's (laughs) not right. But I'm, I'm different. That's not right. I'm I'm talking about seeing someone who has a different color skin. Seeing someone of different ethnicity, whose who English is not their first language, being treated like they're subhuman or inhumanely, being disregarded, friends, that's not right. And when, when full-blown racism begins to, to embed, in, that that is not right. Or maybe it's the single mom who's working several jobs so that she can support her kids and she's working around the clock and she's exhausted and and that's not right either. And... And it's not right that there are. there's medicine in hospitals, there's medicine in clinics, yet there's people walking our streets who don't have the, the necessary income or insurance to be able to get that medicine. And so they don't come and get that medicine or they don't go to a dentist and get that tooth pulled. And that infection gets into their body and actually creates all, all kinds of other issues that are even more severe. And friends, that that's not right when, when that medicine is right there and that could bring healing to them. It's not right that there's domestic violence and families are being torn apart. It's not right the way children are being treated, in some cases being abused. It's not right. And and you see those things and, and that is shalom reversed. And the gift that God wants to bring is He wants to, He wants our city to be a city at peace with God. He wants all the not rights to be reversed. And His prayer, His, His, His hope and heart through the church is that the not rights would be made right and life would be experienced as it should be or the way things ought to be. That is peace. That is shalom. That's the kind of peace we're talking about. But get this, here's the deal. We see the mess in society. We see the drug addiction. We see the alcoholism. We, we hear about depression and we hear about crime and, and it's so complex. And it's and we see issues like homelessness. I was meeting with our mayor a couple months ago and she was talking about how, how chronic homelessness is is such a huge problem. It's one of the major problems of our city. And, and we see all that. And it's so complex and so what we do is, is we, we focus and we, we want it. And this is good. We want people to hear about the good news of, of, of Jesus Christ. We want people to experience salvation. And that's a very good thing. And we're going to keep on doing it. We're going to keep celebrating like we already have about the two patients from Salem Free Clinics this week. But here's the deal. I, I think in many cases... We have shrunk Jesus to the size where he can save our soul, but he can't change the world. In many cases, as we look at our city, or as we look at our nation, as we look at our world, we can believe that God could save someone's soul, but there's something in us that says, I, I, that won't change. So we pull up our roots and move to the suburbs. We shut the door, we drive our car in the garage, close the garage door, and we insulate and isolate ourselves from the world. And we're not just people who are in the city. We're not against it. We're not of it. If you're coming to Salem Alliance, maybe you've been a long time, maybe this is your first weekend, you need to know something about us. We are a church that's for the city. We believe in the truth of Jesus Christ. We believe in the authority of Scripture. We believe that God sent his son, Jesus Christ. We believe he's coming back. And we believe that he's for us and us. And so we want to posture ourselves so that the kingdom of God might advance and advance powerfully. Now, probably should open the Bible. I want to show this to you. And we're actually going to do this in these next few weeks. I I want you to see this. I want you to feel it. I want you to hear it. Jesus, Luke 19.10 tell, 19, tells us that Jesus came. He came to seek and save the lost. His mission, the cross. He's going to the cross. He is going to pay our sin debt so that we can be reconciled to the But along the way, he does some rather unusual things. He gives sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf. He heals the lame. He frees the, oppre- the oppressed. He speaks words of hope. And, um, and people flocked him. He feeds the hungry, 5,000 at one time, 4,000 at another time. All of this, he's demonstrating the heart of the Father to, to the people he interacts with on his way to the cross. In one of his most famous talks or sermons, he says these words that are found in Matthew chapter 5. Um, and I'll be re- begin reading verse 13. They're, they're on the screen behind me. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. What Jesus is saying, He is saying, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And if we are going to see... The kingdom of God advance in our cities, in our neighbors, in our workplaces, in our elementary schools, middle schools, junior highs, high schools, in our colleges, wherever God has planted us, then we need to understand that we need to posture ourselves for the advancement of the kingdom and for the city. And, and, and we need clarity on this, this whole idea, the gift of peace and shalom that God wants to give our city. Um, Peace. Shalom. It's the way things ought to be. It is to flourish in each dimension of life. What we mean by that is that God wants people to flourish physically. He, he, he loves to heal. He, he wants, he wants people's physical bodies to be, to be made whole. He cares about that. God cares about things like economics. When unemployment rate skyrockets, God cares about that. He, he, wants people to, he wants people to flourish economically. Not We're not talking prosperity gospel where everyone has to have a new car in the driveway. I'm not, we're not talking about that. If you have a new car in your driveway, it's okay. Okay, it's all right. We're talking about kind of, the kind of flourishing that the, the wisdom writer talks about in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9, where he says, first, Lord, keep me from lying. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches, because if I'm rich, I might be arrogant and I might forget you, and if I'm poor, I might be tempted to insult your name by stealing. Somewhere in between the two, and God has dispersed the, his economy, how he's chosen to, he longs for people to experience financial peace. He cares about that. He cares about relationships. He cares about relationships between a husband and a wife, between a dad and a daughter, a dad and a son, a mom and sons, a mom and daughters. He cares about relationships in the neighborhood. He even cares about relationships in the workplace. He cares about what happens at the Capitol. He's, he's, he's concerned about that. And of course, he's, he's, he's concerned about our emotional needs, people struggling with fear, struggling with anger, anxiety, or, or depression. He, 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 wants to, he wants people to flourish emotionally, and yes, he wants people to flourish spiritually because the bedrock, the foundation to peace is the peace that's given to us by the Prince of Peace, the gift of salvation. And we have got to be crystal clear on this definition of peace because it's painted on a wall out there. It's been there. You, you know how you paint something on the wall, and you just don't see it anymore? It's been there for several years. We all, if you walk out this way in a little bit to get hot dogs and root beer, you're going to see it's a city at peace with God. We got to be clear on what this peace is. So I, I just want to make, make sure we're crystal clear on this. And, and as I do that, I want to just tell you right up front I'm not a big fan of acronyms. You, you know what I mean? An acronym, you take something. I mean, I. Years ago, I heard a pastor preach. It was Mother's Day, and he preached a Mother's Day message and spelled out. Uh, he had a point for every letter of, of her. Her name was Helga, so was some, a point started with H, point start with E. I think it was meaningful to him, but I think it was the only person that was meaningful to him, him and his mom. I'm, I'm not a big fan of acronyms. I, I, I don't want to be trying to be over cute and all that stuff, but they, they, they are handy when it comes to remembering something that's really important. It's 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 they're very helpful in that in that sense. So this might be the one time in 20 years you get one from me, okay? But here it goes. I, I'm gonna give you. I want to I want to give you an acronym so you understand what we're talking about when we say peace. It's this word bless. If you want to understand the peace, the shalom, that we're we're posturing ourselves for the city on it's. It's the B, body. That's the physical part. And by the way, this is why we're involved with over 70 churches with Salem Free Clinics. Because we believe that God cares about medical issues, mental health, people caring for someone in mental health, dental care. That's why we're involved in Salem Free Clinics. Because it's all connected to our vision. L is labor, think economics, think fi- financial. This is um, people flourishing um, economically, being able to pay bills, put food on the table. E, emotional. By the way, labor, that, that's, why we're, that's why we have an employment network. Gordon Bergman leads the way. And in the last uh, six years, over 150 people have found jobs through that employment network. That's why we do that. The E is for emotional health. That's why we do Life Path. That's why we try and help people. Along the way, overcome some anxieties or deal with anger issues. Um, it's actually a great place for all of us to be discipled. Uh, S, the social, that, that's the relational. That's the, yes, we're, we wanna be in right relationship with God and we wanna be in right relationship with one another. That's why we do groups. That's why we do community groups. Friends, that's why we do peacemaking around here because relationships matter to God. How we love one another is so critical and, and, and is a witness uh, to our world. And the last S there is spiritual. We'll probably be tested on this next week, so you might want to pay attention to this. But friends, we, we need to remember this. You see, when we say we we long for our city to be a city at peace with God, this is what we're talking about. We want people, yes, we want people to be in right relationship with Jesus. And we care about the fact that they're able to put food on their table. We care about the fact that they're dealing with an anxiety. We want to meet that physical need. And so we need to be clear on it. And as we move and progress through the series, we also want to be clear in the fact that, that what's my part in it? A city at peace with God is a... A pastor will not get this accomplished. A staff will not make this happen. Governing board, elder board, uh, staff and pastor, th- that they will not get it done. This vision will turn from a dream to reality when each and every one of us know what we're talking about and know our part in it. And that's where we're going through this series. So... Remember this, this, this blessed acronym body, labor, emotional, social, spiritual. And then let's just go right to let's get practical on this for, for even today. Um, we need to ask ourselves what's my posture towards a city? Where do you live? Where do you work? Are, are you just in that workplace? Are you just in that job? Are, are you against that workplace? <laughs> against your neighbors? Have you lost your unique Christian identity? Or are you for your neighbors, for your coworkers, for your city? We, we need to process this one individually. Sometimes we find ourselves in the I'm just of it or I'm just in it or I'm just kind of defensive. I'm kind of angry. We, we need to discover our posture. Wherever God may us... It might be Monmouth, Silverton, Staten, Salem, Kaiser. Watching a live stream, it might be all around the world. What's my posture? Second thing we can do is, real practically, we can pray the BLESS acronym over our city. You can go to work this next week. You can prayer walk in your workplace and just pray for physical health, pray for relational health, pray for people's jobs, pray for people's spiritual health. You can use that BLESS acronym in your neighborhood. Pray for your neighbors you could You could pray over the city it 's a very practical way to take your part in this vision becoming a reality and and then lastly, um, have a conversation regarding the peace in our city with somebody maybe it 's in your small group, community group maybe it 's around the dinner table it 's just saying you know what what 's right? Where is Shalom being experienced in our city where Where is there an absence of Shalom? Get in a conversation about it. and then pay attention to when energy and passion rise, uh, rises because uh, that, that may be, when you start seeing things that are not right and there's energy there, that may be where God's wanting you to play a part in the, in the peace being delivered to our city. Now, as I as wrap up, I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine a church unleashed into the city, a church for the city that cares about people's souls, Cares about people's spirits. That cares about uh, people's bodies. That 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 so lovingly is for the city. I imagine me getting up and saying, "Stop coming to church, will you? We got to get more people in here." I mean, imagine our city so re- s- experiencing so much peace that people are just longing to be with Jesus. Friends, that's not an impossibility because. With God, nothing is impossible. Let's pray that in. So, Lord, as we get get going here in the series and we talk about being for our city, I just just want to bless those who are here today. I I bless them with the, the peace of Christ. I bless them with the experience of shalom. Maybe there's something that they're going through right now that's just not right. I pray that you would give the gift of shalom and that you would empower us to be a people who express this gift of peace, who live out shalom to our city. And may people experience salty people, people who are shining light like that city on a hill. And may may people, because of the good works that are being done in your name, may they turn to you and give you the praise and the glory that you are so worthy of. We pray to that name and to that end in the name of Christ. Amen.